All right, welcome everybody to the first interview of the Ninja Podcast. Today we're interviewing Annabella Heinrichs, who appeared on season 14 of American Ninja Warrior. Welcome, Annabella. Hi. So my first question for you is, what's your usual training routine? How do you think it helps with Ninja in your daily life? So usually I do like non-Ninja related workouts about two times per week, and then I do ninja training like three to four times per week. And so I just like to have that balance between like cardio and strength workouts and actual like ninja obstacle training because I think it makes you like a better athlete all around. Um, And I like to go to different ninja gyms to experience the different obstacles and really get a feel for like a bunch of different things. What specific ninja gyms? Um, So I live in Colorado, so I mainly go to three gyms, Warrior Playground in Longmont, Ninja Nation in Lafayette, and Ninja Intensity in Castle Rock, which is about an hour, hour 15 drive from my house. Ah, that's interesting. What's the uh, experience being at Ninja Intensity specifically? Um, It's a really cool gym. It's definitely geared towards more advanced athletes, which is cool because there's lots of gyms that are looking to cater to a more beginner crowd so at ninja intensity you have all these like cool crazy obstacles that really you're only gonna try if you've been training for a while so you get to see more like show replica obstacles and obstacles that will challenge like elite athletes so realistic obstacles that you would expect to see on the show yeah, they like they build lots of cool obstacles and they like to replicate things that you see in big comps and on the show. So they just built like a big double dipper and like a lot of gyms wouldn't build something that big, but they have this like massive double dipper and they build like a lot of obstacles that took people out on the show cuz then people can come in and try them. Okay. My second question is and it builds off of my first question is who would you say is your favorite person to train with? Hmm. Well, I don't have like one specific person, but I have like a training group that I train with um, on a weekly basis. That would be Austin Gray, Nate Hansen, Taylor Green, Emily Keener, Jalen Bennett, and sometimes David Tomasoni. Um, So we just have like this elite training group going and we train on Tuesdays and Thursdays most weeks. Um, We do like elite training and obstacles and course running. That's interesting. All right, Sophia, your turn for a question. All right, awesome. Um, my question is, so I know you competed on season 14 of American Ninja Warrior. I think I actually watched uh, your semifinals episode live, but how was the experience of competing on American Ninja Warrior? Do you have any specific highlights of the competition? Um, the whole experience was really just amazing. Um So I competed on the family special. It hasn't Mm -hmm. aired yet, but that was like my first. It probably won't ever air. (laughs) (laughs) That's definitely possible. I have no idea. There's rumors that it'll be at the end of the season this year. So we'll see what happens. Um, But yeah, that was my first experience with the obstacles, but that was like in a more like team setting. So Mm -hmm. on season 14, I got to take on this course by myself. And it was really just incredible because... Um, you've trained for this for years and now I finally am looking down this course and I get to 
prove to myself what I can do and that everything I've trained for was worth it. So some highlights, I mean, I was terrified of falling on the first or second obstacle, like just on accident. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tripping on the first step of uh, the shrinking steps. Exactly. Like, mm -hmm. wouldn't that just be horrible? Like you came all that way and then you fell on the first obstacle. For real. So Spent like $10,000 just to fail on the first step. Oh, no. Yeah, so I was a little, I was a little scared. But once I made it past like the first couple obstacles, then I really gained confidence, and it was a lot more fun because I just like had each obstacle and I took it one obstacle at a time, and with each mm -hmm. one I cleared, it was just another thing that I got to experience on the show and making it through to semifinals. Best feeling in the world. For okay. Sure. My uh, third question is, how do you feel that you did on American Ninja Warrior and also at UNA Worlds about two weeks ago? So on American Ninja Warrior, um, currently my semifinals episode is going to air in a little less than a week. So I can't tell you how I did all together. But as far as my um, qualifying episode, I did better than I had hoped to do because... I didn't really set a specific goal for myself. I didn't want to like fall short of that goal or put a lot of pressure on myself. So once I made it past the first few, I was like, this is awesome. And so making it to the fifth obstacle um, was really amazing, especially for a rookie season. But I also know that I probably could have cleared the course. It's just didn't work out that time. So that's a lot of motivation for me to keep training and push myself harder and come back stronger next year. So essentially you felt satisfied, but you also felt, hey, I could have done a little bit more on this course, but it was like probably like a B plus in terms of how you would give yourself like a grade rating for the course. <laughs> for sure. I mean, it was the best that I could do in that given moment. So, I mean, it could be an A plus. Um, and you also asked about UNAA Worlds, which was like a week or so ago. Um, and I ended up placing fourth in the world again i placed fourth last year so i was hoping for top three this year but fourth fourth isn't bad um but i was a, one second off of third place because we all got the same amount of obstacles so it really just came down to time and i think that any of us could have gotten like another point so it was really anyone's game at least you didn't get p50 like i did that was rough. <laughs> yeah i mean any just being there is is an accomplishment in itself so right just getting to have that experience in the first place is an accomplishment in and of itself for sure yeah okay mm -hmm. my next question is who is your ninja hero that's always a tough one because it's hard to pick just like one person that you look up to the most um but someone that I really admire is Barclay Stockett because she's just so incredibly strong. And she's also just this like ball of positive energy. And so I just, I really love seeing what she brings to the course and what she brings to the sport. Um, and she just represents such amazing things. And I love seeing her take on the course. Would you say that she's an inspiration to other people in terms of ninja? I would say so. I would say a lot of people find her inspiring because she just, she's there to help everyone. She's like so supportive and she's so nice. I mean, I've interacted with her a few times and she's just such a nice person and she's also just so incredibly strong. And so that's just an amazing combination to see. 
Uh, would you say that her coming out about her sexuality will help other people in the ninja community feel more open about expressing themselves? I do. I really do. Um, I don't see a lot of representation in this sport, um, but we're definitely starting to see more. And I think this is an amazing step towards a more inclusive sport. And I think it definitely makes people more comfortable to see their idols um, coming out about their sexuality and their gender identity and stuff. And I think that's just an amazing thing to see. I would agree. Uh, Donovan, your question's up next. Okay, then. So, um, Annabella, since you've completed on season 13 and... And and this series, um, what um obstacle is the hardest you faced on? On season fourteen. Yep, and the previous um season. So I didn't officially compete on season thirteen. Um, I don't know what season, if it ever airs, what season the family episode is going to be a part the of. The family episode will probably count as like a season 14 episode, seeing as they're airing it after the season. Yeah, like they filmed it during season 13, but I don't know if it officially counts as season 13. But the hardest obstacle, I can't say anything about the family show since it hasn't aired, but the hardest obstacle I faced in qualifying would be the final frontier, um, the one I fell on. It's just, it's so much more technical than a lot of obstacles you see on the show. Like, a lot of obstacles, like, they're designed to function in one straightforward way. And if you do it, then it works. But the Final Frontier, like, ten different things could have gone wrong at any given moment. And so that made it a lot harder because you had to balance your weight and shift your hands and move around and shift from side to side and then swing and forward and... It was just, it was super tricky, and if your weight was wrong, then you were in the water. So there um, were a I, lot of moving parts that made it difficult for you to be able to progress through the obstacle? Oh, for sure. Like, you, even the people who are, like, the top ninjas in the world, it didn't look, like, smooth. Because it's just, it was something that we'd never really seen before. It was completely new and just a different concept. And I actually just ended up overshooting it um, on the first move, and that's how I fell. So, I don't know, like, just you're very distanced from the control point, like, at the top, because you're holding on to handles that are much lower. So, it's harder to control where you're actually landing, and I think that's probably why I overshot it. I would agree. Oh, yes. Um, what is your favorite obstacle, and why? Um, in general, I mean, I really, again, that's, that's tough because there's just so many amazing obstacles and they come up with better and better stuff each year. But something I've always thought is really fun is like double dippers because there's I'd also agree in that aspect that like fan obstacles also encourage like the community to sort of put their own creations into it because the double dipper, and I think that that was actually a fan submitted obstacle. Yeah, I don't know, but if it is, that's really cool because it's become like a staple of the show and definitely like stage two or one. It's either one or two. I don't really remember. It's stage uh, one. It's stage one, yeah. That, uh, yep. Uh, but it's really become a staple and I think it's really cool. I've tried a couple of them and I just think there's a lot of stuff that you can do with it. And I think it really tests like your courage and you just have to go sliding down this thing and hope for the best. 
And I think that's really cool because it like pushes you in a height aspect and a fear aspect. And I just, I think it's a fun obstacle altogether. Uh, so to answer your question about the double dipper being a fan obstacle, it actually was, it was submitted for season nine and the designer of it was somebody named Hannah Willie. And the obstacle actually went on to appear in the Japanese form and the original form of Ninja Warrior in Sasuke. Oh, cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, yeah, because I just think it's a really cool obstacle. It's definitely an undertaking to get into a gym, so that makes it a little more special. Because it's just so much like moving parts and work to put up. All right, Sophia, you're up next. All right, awesome. So I know for myself, I have some pretty bad pre-competition nerves. <laughs> How do you deal with uh, being nervous before competitions? So this is actually like a really good question um, because I first started Ninja when I was 12, but mm. I mean, I have, I have anxiety and I didn't know how to deal with it in the competition like headspace because I'd never done competitive sports before Ninja. Mm -hmm. And so for the first couple years when I started Ninja, I couldn't deal with my nerves beforehand. And I would just be like a nervous wreck and I would have breakdowns after every run and I'd have to go like cry in a corner. I know that sounds like really sad. And it kind of <laughs> was, but um, That was me before my first ever competition last year. Yeah, and it, like, I just put so much pressure on myself to do well. And so mm -hmm. no matter what, like after my runs, I would just break down over all the little mistakes and I just couldn't focus on like the positive aspects. Mm -hmm. And so that was, that was really hard for me. And if you've ever competed with me, like in Colorado, like a few years ago, you'd probably know, you've probably seen me crying. Um, <laughs> but it's definitely, I've like, I had, oh my gosh, sorry. I'm, I had to work on it and I had to work on my headspace and start to like redirect my thought process. And that was really mm -hmm. hard because I had to start thinking about all the positive things and like taking deep breaths and reminding myself that it was okay. And so like, over the span of a year, it started to get a lot better, and I was able to better manage, like, myself before and after competitions. Um, and now I don't have – I have nerves, I mean, because that just means that you're you're ready to compete. Yeah, um, yeah. But they're definitely manageable nerves, and yeah. I can – control them and I can eat food like eating food was really hard for me before comps but now I can yeah. like, eat a little bit which is good because you need nutrition mm -hmm. uh, so yeah. now I'm now I'm a lot better and after competitions I'm I, I focus on the things that I loved about my run and the things that I did well instead of the things that went wrong because often there's more things that went right than things that went wrong for sure for sure that kind of leads into my next question you kind of answered this a little bit of kind of the aftermath of a competition but how do you deal with failure in the sports like something didn't really go your way during a competition or like even falling on American Ninja Warrior kind of how do you uh, get the mentality to be okay with failure yeah so like again I was terrible at dealing with failure um, yeah. <laughs> and it's still a little bit of a struggle for me but it's again a lot better because I had to rethink the way I saw myself and rethink the way I put pressure on myself 
So thinking of each obstacle as like another opportunity to try something instead of like another thing that is in front of you and you have to make it past it because there's no guarantees in this sport and failure happens, mm -hmm. mistakes happen. And you just have to recognize that that's part of the sport and the world doesn't end. Like sometimes it would feel like the world ended, like my, yeah. <laughs> my career as a ninja ended, but it doesn't end. And you always have another chance. As long as you keep pursuing ninja, you have another chance to get up and keep going. And I think that's really important to remember because it's not the end of the world and you can always, there's always the next comp. There's always next year. And especially falling on the show, because that's kind of like, sometimes it's a season ender. Sometimes it's not, but right. Right. But just recognize that you made it there and you're like, you're an athlete and you made it that far and you got to try all these amazing things. And it doesn't matter that you fell because there's so many other things that you did so well. And I just think, yeah, you just got to keep that in mind. For sure. All right. My next question is, is do you think that the ninja community is a positive environment? I do. I do. I think it's a very, it can be a very supportive environment. Um, because like, there's just people across the world, across the country that can come together under one united front, like of this sport that's, it's pretty new. And it's this sport that we've all helped grow together. And so that support and that like common ground can make the ninjas community like a very supportive place. But I also think that there's definitely aspects of it that like, get pretty specific and aren't like accepting to everyone but that's like a whole different topic um i just think it's like you're it's a very specific group of people so in that aspect you we all get along and we can all like find common threads but also like i don't know if there's a whole lot of diversity throughout the sport do you think that there's any specific things that they can do to improve on that like steps the show and also the leagues like nnl and unaa can do to promote diversity and inclusion of different races sexualities genders etc etc i think so um i mean it's always it's always a tough one but i think that just making sure that there's representation in the leagues and in the show and like everyone's seeing the differences and highlighting the differences in people. This is like, this is really difficult to explain, but like on the show, not just one type of story. And I think they're doing a pretty good job of that, like showing everyone's story and how people are different, but definitely like just different types of stories making sure that we see the representation. So that's also up to like the applicants and how, how much people want to share about themselves, but seeing representation on the show helps people feel more comfortable in the sport. And also in leagues, just making sure that it's an inclusive environment for everyone and not just catering to one specific belief or one specific type of person, like just making sure that it's a safe and inclusive environment for everyone. 
So not marketing towards a specific person or a specific type of person, just not being exclusive, but being inclusive instead. For sure. Yes. Exactly. All right. My final question is, uh, what would you say to young girls looking to get into the show? I, th I say just give it a shot because I think there's so many strong girls out there and strong females who just haven't tapped into their potential yet. And this is definitely a more male-dominated sports, as most sports are. Um, and I, I would love to see more females get into this sport because, like, the female division in comps is always just so small, like, especially locally. Like, I never see more than, like, five to ten people in my division. And sometimes it gets as low as, like, three. So I would love to see more females get into this sport because I know there's tons of gymnasts and, like, just people who haven't tried this and like they think or, oh, or maybe I haven't even discovered it yet oh exactly yeah and they or they look at the show and they're like well i couldn't do that but maybe you could because i think there's lots of people that with enough training and dedication could totally just dominate the sport and i don't i think we've just scratched the surface of what we can do with ninja and i think especially like on the female level we just need more females and just to see more and more females get into this sport because i think it's like and just i want females to feel comfortable in this sport because it definitely feels like there's tons of dudes who are out here just throwing crazy moves but i think i think girls can do that too and it's just more about confidence and we need to foster that confidence <laughs> Right. Going back to what you said about gymnasts, like you're close with somebody who came into Ninja because they used to be a gymnast and then discovered Ninja as a sport, and that would be Taylor Green. Yeah. And she's just, she's an amazing, um, she's an amazing athlete. She's like, she's just so strong. She's so incredible. And I think gymnasts definitely have that like first step already completed for ninja and of course ninja is an entirely different sport but like if you already have that base strength and like swinging technique and like you're used to being in the air and like hanging from your arms then it's a great like jumping start to get into ninja and same with climbing too because climbers have that grip strength and that arm strength that they need like i think that's this, the biggest building block in ninja is just upper body strength so, like, I never did gymnastics or climbing, but I, like, climbed trees. <laughs> so I was, I was just naturally, like, strong as a kid, and that's what got me into Ninja. But I think there's lots of girls who have already been training for, like, the beginning steps of Ninja, and they haven't even, haven't even realized it. <laughs> all right, well, that's all the questions that we have for today. Oh, so, wait, 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 wait. wait. Oh. Donovan, do you have one more? Yes. Um, what courses did you compete on um, apart from American American Ninja Warrior? Like what leagues or? Like, yeah. I've, I mean, at this point, I've probably done hundreds of courses, but um, I try to compete in as many competitions as I can, um, as many as time allows. In Colorado, there's definitely less competitions going on, just like because ninja is very centered on the east coast like there's so much going on over there and in other states there's definitely less but colorado has a good amount of gyms but like we get like maybe one or two nnls per year 
and we can't really travel out of state that much without flying. Um, but I compete in NNL, I compete in UNAA, Colorado, Colorado Ninja League. Um, I haven't been able to do many other leagues. Like there's def I've done Wolfpack, um, which there's another one coming up really soon. But I, I want to get into like Ninja Sport Network and the other competitions that you see that are like taking off in this sport. They're pretty new, but I definitely want to get into that. I do think that there's a an NSN qualifier that's going to be at Ninja Intensity. I just don't know when it is. Yeah, me neither. Um, there was one last year, but I was busy during it. And I think if I had competed, I would have gone through the entire season of NSN. But I didn't go to that competition. And so I missed the entire season last year, which kind of sucked. Because I was watching everyone do these comps. And I'm like, dang it, I should have done it. I should have done it. <laughs> Well, at least you had it in your state. The closest gym for that competition for me is Motive Movement because I'm from Virginia. So at minimum, I have to travel two states and either fly or I get to take a 10-hour car ride. Yeah. And driving like from Colorado can be tough. Like Wyoming's pretty close, but anything else is a really far drive because it's like a relatively large state compared to a lot of the east coast states so it's tough to travel between states <laughs> all right well that's all the questions we have thank you for coming on the podcast for sure yes thank you so much for having me this was awesome all right awesome all right now time for the second interview of the day we're going to be interviewing tyler kurtzals who also competed on american ninja warrior season 14 welcome to the podcast tyler Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. All right, so I'll kick things off and ask my first question was, did you feel satisfied with your qualifying run? Not even close. Um, honestly, I think I had probably the most mentally painful fall in qualifying, being so close to the dismount of the fifth obstacle. Like At that point, I could taste the mega wall buzzer. So it, it just kind of was just a thorn in my side at that point. I was so I was satisfied with advancing, but I wasn't satisfied with how I advanced. I, I'll say it that way. Right. So like you're great. You're grateful that you advanced and made it into the semifinals in the next round, but you felt like you were capable of giving more in the first round to like sort of showcase what you could do. Yeah, I think I honestly I just played it a little bit too cautious. It may not have shown because I was a fast forward in my qualifying episode, but I was hanging on Final Frontier for over a minute. So I was completely drained by the time I got to that last cradle. So Do you feel, do you feel that if you had gone, been a, a little more reckless in terms of how you approached the obstacle, do you think that you would have had enough strength to have made it to the end? Yeah, I think I just took too small of moves. I took moves so cautiously to make sure that the eye didn't fall off of the tracks. But I do think I could have handled throwing a little bit bigger than I was. And I think I would have been less tired by the time I got to that last piece had I just moved a little bit quicker on the obstacle. All right, that makes sense. Uh, that ties into my second question, which is, just generally on the rest of the course as well, what do you think you could have done differently to like change the outcome? Um, honestly, on the other four obstacles in qualifying, I think I was pretty efficient. I was the second fastest to move on after failing on five. 
Um, and I got to the fifth obstacle in 57 seconds. Um, maybe like one of the things I could have probably done was linked the sky hook off of ring chaser or maybe moved a little quicker on shattered panes. But other than that, there wasn't a lot of, I guess there wasn't a lot of beta you could really break on my course. So I do think I moved just about as quickly as I could to that point. So the only mistake that you really saw that was like super noticeable and had like a giant impact on your own was on the fifth obstacle where you failed. Yes, absolutely. All right. And uh, assuming that you had gone through the fifth obstacle, were you pretty confident that you would have gone to Megawall? Yeah, I I train it all the time. I genuinely think like I'm 100% confident I would have made it there considering that at that point, Kyle Soderman had already made it. And then shortly after I made it, Jara and John Mack also made it. So I do think I would have had a great shot, if not one of the better chances of making it up that night. All right. Uh, Sophia, your turn for a question now. All right, awesome. So I think you competed on American Ninja Warrior Junior Season 1, was it? Um, uh, yes, that is correct. All right. I did. How was your experience on that, and do you think it prepared you at all for American Ninja Warrior? Yeah, I definitely think it helped with handling the TV side of things, because mm -hmm. I feel like with Ninja Warrior, you have to be really used to being on camera, or at least somewhat good at it. So having Junior as a notch in my belt already was definitely good preparation for that. Another thing was Junior was actually my very first experience competing with Ninja. So okay. at that at that time, I was really new to the competition side of things, and I'd only been training for a couple months, so I had no idea what to expect. But it was nice going into American Ninja Warrior with more than three years under my belt and ha having a lot more competition experience. So for A.W. Jr., did it almost feel like you weren't really prepared for that? But for American Ninja Warrior the big show you sort of had the preparation already in place that you built up from your previous competitions yeah I, I think so um junior I was just more grateful that I got on it at the time but now looking back on it I do wish I had a little bit more preparation going into it okay sure. that makes sense uh my next question is uh who's your favorite person to train with um Probably my two training partners, John Mack and Colton Schuster. Uh, we all competed in San Antonio together this year, as you saw on TV. And um, we, we all have kind of like an energy to each other, to where we can kind of just bounce off each other and push each other really well in training. Um, and if I had to name someone other than from my home gym, it would probably be Evan Andrews. He and I have been friends since a Jr., and... We just, just like the other two, I kind of rub off his energy and occasionally he'll come down to my home gym and we'll train together. And he helped, he really helped me get out of the, um, the disappointment of what happened in semifinals this season. So he's really, we're really close. That makes sense. Uh, moving on to semifinals, what do you feel like you could have done better there? Honestly, I think I should have just mentally prepared better. I was in a very, weird headspace that night um I was the last teen to run and at that point I had seen people like Elijah Browning Jackson Erdos Brett Hernandez strong I had seen them all fall early and I was like oh my gosh this is terrifying 
Did you also feel like how you performed in the previous round? Do you feel like that motivated you at all? I do feel like it motivated me, but I do feel like it also, in a way, affected my confidence a little bit. I feel like it made me a little bit discouraged, which is a little upsetting, but I do think I've prepped my mentality a lot better since then. And I think next time I'll be a lot more ready. Uh, assuming that you get on next time, uh, what do you hope to improve from your last appearance on the show? Definitely want at least a buzzer. <laughs> um, my big goal next year is definitely to qualify for Vegas. I did actually get the opportunity to test Vegas this year. That's awesome. And those obstacles are some of the craziest things in the world. Like stage one has things that are like 25 feet off the water. You feel like you're just floating. And if you fall, you're falling forever. So it really brings the big spectacle for Vegas. And it's a big goal of mine to compete there this season. So to a certain extent, you would say that Vegas brings a sort of grandeur. Oh, definitely. Absolutely. So like getting the test in Vegas, would you say that that, experience was sort of like when you competed on junior for the first time a little bit um i would say it was more it felt more like this is my shot to let producers scout me a little bit more it's like an audition kind of a little bit (laughs) try to put my name back in the hat a little bit more that makes sense all right sophia your turn all right so I know you've been on American Ninja Warrior and been to so many different competitions. What do you think was your favorite competition other than American Ninja Warrior or Junior? Um, I think my one of my favorite competitions I've done was probably the second Bucket of Chalk competition. Mm-hmm. Um, Caden and Max, they tend to put on some incredible competitions out there. And the best part about that was having the best run on stage two. I ended up getting the fastest time on stage two, and it felt like it really was a showing a good showcase of my skills and ability. Um, another one is probably the wound, the Ninja Warrior for Wounded Warriors competitions at uh, Rock Solid Warrior in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Uh, they tend to throw down some really good events with some really good courses, and getting as far as I did in their comps is always so much fun. Awesome. Uh, my next question is absolutely completely unrelated. Uh, why is your nickname TK Ninja Tricks? I mean, I got the first part, but not really the second. So it's actually kind of lame, honestly. Um, the Ninja Tricks part came from when I first made my um, Instagram tag. It, it was my first like account name. And then um, I kind of just tacked it onto the shirt along with the TK. And it kind of worked because it was a bit of alliteration and it made, it made a good logo. So I was like, I'm going to stick with it. And I'm just going to try to throw stupid tricks and stuff to kind of make the name a little bit more memorable. It was good for advertisement. I, I agree with that. I definitely think it was. <laughs> All right. Uh, my next question is, uh, what did you like about the American Ninja Warrior experience? And what did you not like? If there was anything. I don't know if there's anything I really didn't like. Maybe it was, I'd say if anything, if there's anything I didn't like, it's the fact that 
sometimes you're waiting really long. Like sometimes your warm up could go to waste um, because they tend to ice people during reset time between obstacles. But the thing I probably liked the most was just getting to live out a dream that I've had for a decade now and finally getting to see it come to fruition was one of the coolest, if not the coolest thing I've ever done in my life. Yeah. Uh, and my last question before we move on to Sophia's questions is, uh, what would you say to your biggest fan? I would say just go after whatever you want to do with your life, whether it's like, let's say you want to play baseball, play baseball. If you want to be a ninja, go for it. I mean, I'm ch- I've been chasing my dream for 10 years now and nothing's, nothing has held me back yet. So the worst thing that could happen is it could mess up. And if you mess up, you can always just try again. So There's I think always the, a sort of reset button. Yeah. The big moral to the story is never stop doing what you love. So for sure. So I know you've been training for quite some time. Have you found that there is like a specific type of obstacle that you think is most important to train like lock-offs or cliffhangers or tech? Um, I'd say there's a couple different ones for certain things. Like for technique, I think the best obstacle you can train is laches and flying bar, hands down. Mm-hmm. Because flying bar, I guess you can throw salmon ladder in there too as well. But flying bar and salmon ladder, you get used to that motion of carrying a bar with you across obstacles and jumping it. And laches, you can kind of learn how to flow and just get like continuous laches going. And I think those are definitely two fundamental things in Ninja Warrior. For sure. For um, for lock-offs, I'd say just a pegboard, if anything. Um, pegboard or maybe even just holds with like hooks on the end and just going down a line with those and practicing just holding the lock-offs definitely builds the strength and doing that in like circuits and stuff. Definitely. So I know, like you said, you've been to so many competitions. Uh, how do you deal with deal with uh, the pre competition nerves? Um, I don't really have those as much as bad as I did previously. Sure, they pop up here and there, like in semifinals this season. But for the most part, I have them under control. Usually, it's just bring something to distract myself. Like I'll bring some kind of toy to the warm-up area that I can just mess around with or I'll play games with my friends in warm-ups. That's awesome. And my final question is, how do you deal with failure in the sport of ninja? Um, so one of that's one of the things I learned pretty early in ninja. Ninja is definitely a failure-motivated sport. Um, I take each fail as kind of a learning experience and there's always something you get out of failure despite the how discouraging it can be. Like if you fail a certain obstacle, you know you have to kind of work on that certain obstacle in order to make it never happen again. So I just have always just used failure as a way to motivate myself to train a little bit harder and try different things as I go through. As kind of a follow-up question, was there kind of a moment or a certain competition where you experienced failure and you felt, like, most motivated after it? Um, yes. Um, 2019 and 2021 UNAA Worlds both were massive failures for me as competitions. 
they were the first two UNAA worlds I did. And like halfway through the course, I got a fail both times. And I just kept messing up on things after that. And my whole mentality and plan had gone out the window at that point. So I think that's, that taught me that the biggest thing in Ninja is stick to your game plan, no matter what happens. Because if you, if you stray from your game plan, your mentality becomes all out of whack and you begin to panic. And that's no good at all. Yeah, for sure. I did not do very well at UNAA Worlds this year. And I think it was because I definitely did not plan. But I know you did really well. You placed third. Uh, do you think visualization or planning kind of helped you go into that? Um. Yes, I did. That That course was very... Um, technical, so making sure that I had all my moves planned just right how I wanted them to go was like paramount in order to have a good run on that course. Another thing with that course was it was very balance intense, and a lot of ninjas, when they see balance obstacles, it's the typical like, oh, that kind of freaks me out a little bit. I don't like that. <laughs> but I, for one, actually really enjoy balance obstacles, so I was all for it. And I think clearing all those balance obstacles was a huge advantage in the long run in that competition. Congratulations, you're officially one of the few people who actually likes balance obstacles. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was scared by that spinning log. (laughs) Thank God I was on the amateur course. (laughs) Thank God, because I didn't have to deal with that. I mean, granted, the amateur course is probably a lot more dull, but probably a lot safer if we're being real it was it was definitely more controlled obstacles i would i'll give it that for sure yeah 100 percent. like not a lot of not a lot of finicky things yeah whereas on pro and 15u you had people launching off of pill hoppers and landing flat on their back yeah for sure there were definitely some big wipeouts on that course but it actually had mats this time so thank goodness oh my gosh it wasn't just hotel rugs people or just the concrete (laughs) huge win for sure have you been to um nnl worlds um yes i've been to three uh national ninja league championships i went to 2019 in connecticut 2020 in North Carolina, and then I went to 2021 Worlds at Center Court in New Jersey. That being my best performance. I made it to Stage 3 the first year that the Elite Division was introduced, and I ended up failing on the cliffhanger in that run. Oh yeah, that was the first year they had Elite, and you did really well. How did that kind of feel to kind of feel like you belonged within the stack of Elites? It felt really cool because I think that that was one of the first comps where I was like, where I was beating some of the bigger names of kids my age, like the Vance Walkers, the Sam Folsoms, the Caden Lepsacks. Yeah. That was my first experience really. (laughs) Uh, That that was my first experience really placing higher than a bunch of them. So it was really kind of surreal to really see that anything can happen from the other side of the spectrum. For sure. Well, that was my last question. Thomas, do you have anything to add? Uh, no, I think that's all I had. Well, thanks for coming on the podcast, man. Yeah, it was my pleasure. I had a lot of fun. Thanks for inviting me.
Yeah, thank you. All right, so assuming you guys are all still here after the Annabella Heinrichs interview, we're going to be discussing what we've seen so far in American Ninja Warrior Season 14 and our current thoughts of how the season so far has gone. So, Sophia, we'll start with you. What have you thought so far of Season 14 and how it's gone? I think it's been super awesome. I actually applied to be on Season 14 this year, but unfortunately did not get on. I really love the new obstacles, like Final Frontier and Kaleidoscope are just some of my favorites. I think they're really creative, but I also think that uh, the production itself is a little story-heavy. I see a lot of the fan favorites and ninjas who I know in the community who could really get their time to shine being fast-forwarded or completely cut, but overall, I am definitely enjoying this season. Yeah, I would personally agree very much in terms of the cons so far that I've seen this season specifically to do with how they've been handling competitors. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't really agree with that. And I I just, I I find it completely unnecessary. Like, they're doing that. Yeah. I was thinking the other day, like, what American Ninja Warrior would look like without kind of the production aspect or, like, any of the stories or anything. And I think it would definitely be kind of more focused focused on the sport itself, which I would definitely like to see. I think part of American Ninja Warrior is sharing the stories and seeing, like, the inspiration and the courage out of all of the ninjas. But I definitely think they need to tone it back and let the athletes themselves shine on the course. So basically, like, remove that aspect of, hey, we're going to cram stories sort of in your face. Mm-hmm. And, like, be like, hey, look at this guy. Here's a story. Instead, making it more about the courses and, like, the unique stuff that they're doing. But the question mm-hmm. is, would people tune into that, and where would you put it? Donovan, uh, I'll start with you on that front. What do you think the show could do better to make it focus more on the course specifically? Mm, I'm going to say obstacle changes. Well, what sort of obstacle changes are you thinking of? Like, from, like, what area of focus are you perceiving? Like, what do they need to change? What sort of big moves do they need to make to ensure the success of the sport? Okay, when I watched um, American Ninja Warrior, um... Yeah, especially in this um series, some of the op- some of the obstacles are a bit of the changing the competitors, especially the fifth obstacle. I mean, I I kind of agree with you on that, in that some obstacles are way harder than others. Like, I probably would have liked it a little bit better if Final Frontier had been more of an obstacle nine instead of where it is. Since it feels a little bit too tough for its course position, specifically. But, that's like a tiny nitpick. Like, if every obstacle was like as tough as that, obviously people wouldn't like it. But like, I feel like there's a fair enough spread. But, it could be better. But I think in terms of the obstacles, it's in a pretty good place. I think it's more so in the story aspect, where they can fix it and make it better. Like, maybe making it not so much about the stories. Maybe including stories or, like, 
more so bio. Uh, for those of you that are in Alex Cunningham's server, the Sasuke Ninja Warrior community that he set up about four years ago, uh, one of the users in his server, B.U. Lewis, who I had the pleasure of meeting at UNA World, suggested something about maybe moving it to ESPN and making it just about the runs itself. What do you guys think about that? I completely, completely um, agree um, with that. I also agree. I think moving it to more of a sports aspect would not only help the sport itself to grow, but kind of showcase the athletes themselves, uh, like kind of along the course, and making it less of kind of like America's Got Talent and more American Ninja Warrior as a sport itself, which I would love to see. Like it would make the sport seem a little bit more legitimate in terms of, like, its production value. So I'm, I'm going to throw the idea out there. Let's say that it goes to ESPN, and ESPN do- has no shortage of sports content because they have SportsCenter. They have the rights to Formula One, which started a couple years ago. They've really been developing that. I feel like Ninja could be, like, the public thing that people have heard about that – Honestly, I could see it getting viewership levels close to what Formula One is getting right now. The main question is, if they move Ninja to ESPN, like let's say in the next four or five years, then what happens? Do they just drop the American part of it and make it like a worldwide invitational? Do they just remove the invitational part completely? What are your guys' thoughts on that? I think that they should kind of keep the like general production other than like making it more obstacle based like as it is now i kind of like the show aspect although i think it's a little bit too story like focused right now but um otherwise i think maybe the invitational would be like applying for it i think it would still be a good idea um i would also like to maybe see like national ninja league which i think is called now called uh world ninja league um on espn as well not only american ninja warrior as the show but also like all things ninja right you warrior. can see like the league people mm-hmm. and like their transition from coming into wnl into like aw itself yeah for which, sure i i personally think that wnl should be focusing well I personally feel like A&W in itself can be used as sort of like a – right now, like let's just say NBC keeps American Ninja Warrior, keeps like all the show aspect of it. Then the role of A&W is it shines a sport – it shines a light on the sport of Ninja, and therefore that sport of Ninja mostly applies itself in NNL. Because like let's, let's be honest right now at this point, NNL has a higher – production capacity than UNAA does. Like, I was at UNAA Worlds. I have not been at NNL Worlds yet. Whenever I will, I will test it out and see, like, how the experience is compared to UNAA Worlds. But UNAA feels slightly less professional. And with Ninja trying to get more professional, if there's a league to rely on, I personally would choose NNL over UNAA. That's no disrespect at all to the people who are in charge of UNAA. But I just think that the people in NNL just have more professional control over their product and are better at getting it out 
they're probably also better at course design and course originality. Like you look at what they did last year, even though NNL Worlds seemed to have a little bit of uh, the copy paste aspect, in which you would see some obstacles from stage one and stage two have the Devil Steps S cold that Kevin Carbone made. You would see that, but just with different holds attached to it. So in stage one, you would have the bullseye. In stage two, you'd have mm -hmm. the spin hopper. And in stage three, you would have the cliffhangers. I mean, obviously, they can do more originality with it. But with mm -hmm. UNIA, they just kept the same course in the finals and didn't make any changes at all to it. Versus, like, with NNL, you didn't see last year's finals being the most original thing. But part of that can be blamed of course, on the pandemic. But mm -hmm. I personally think that even then, their course originality is more original. I agree. As someone who has been to both um, National Ninja League Worlds and UNAA Worlds, I will have to say that um, the NNL does kind of provide a more professional feel. I think it's less kind of about how it's run and more kind of about the course aspect, as you were kind of talking about, I think kind of the three-stage aspect that NNL does, now called uh, World Ninja League, um, the kind of three-stage aspect, I feel like that's just testing all kind of three like aspects of ninja, speed, kind of technicality and strength, and then kind of grip So would you suggest strength. that they drop the final stage if they were to make it a professional thing? Um, no, I think, I think if keeping it professional kind of the three-stage aspect. I kind of like how it's kind of testing all the aspects of Ninja and getting, like, a full, rounded, like, kind of test of the athlete's abilities to really prove who comes out on top. I think that's just kind of the way it should be done. Not specifically three-stage, but having the but athletes... Like having agree. those three stages be focused on challenging an individual aspect of a competitor's skill so stage one is speed stage two is like technicality and then stage three is strength and grip yeah i agree i stage think stage four good. is like the conclusion because you think about it when people associate american ninja warrior with two things they associate it with one casey catanzaro and her climbing up the warped wall in season six and number two, they associate it with Mamadoriyama, the huge tower with the rope climb that never seems to change. I completely agree. But you know what? If they want to keep a rope climb, that's on them. People in the ninja community who don't like it probably still won't like it, but... Meh. I don't think it should be completely trashed. I I think it maybe should be revised a little bit. Maybe adding some salmon ladder or a spider climb. Making it a little bit more technical else. instead of just climbing up a rope. Yeah, I think, like, although the rope climb is very fun, it's not very, like, ninja, nin testing, like, specifically ninja warrior, um, kind of the that kind of strength. I think it should be adding, should add some aspects to it, but I, I, don't, I think it should be capped. Yeah, I personally think that the... I think the rope climb still has some place in Ninja Warrior, but mm -hmm. it's not the most original obstacle. Personally, uh, for those of you who remember um, 
that Roblox Corsace Duran Super Roblox Warrior. In the final season, I actually had the rope climb in stage two, and I actually think that could be like a pretty original obstacle, like obstacle choice. Not really the obstacle itself, just having it there. It's like, let's put a suggestion out there. AW14, I mean AW13 stage two. Think about what happens if you had like falling shelves and like right after that, then you have like a rope climb that you have to climb up. Like, wouldn't that be a little bit nerve-wracking and, like, motivate you to make mistakes on the penultimate obstacle right before you get to the final obstacle? It makes that burst to the end that much more exciting. I agree. I was a little disappointed that there wasn't sort of, like, um, an obstacle after the falling shelves on stage two, like there was uh, in previous seasons, like after the wing nuts, um... I, I would honestly like to see... I think a rope climb would be a good idea. Or just literally... A rope climb would probably be a little bit more original than, like, the wall-types obstacles that you've seen for, like, the first... Yeah. Uh, 12-ish seasons? 11-ish seasons, because 12 mm -hmm. got shafted with the format due to COVID, which was unfortunate. Mm -hmm. But in, in my opinion, I feel like the rope climb, if it could work... It could work in stage one in place of, like, the... In place of the net, because I think the net might be getting a little bit old. Like, it feels like A&W is not trying new things enough. Except with the power tower. It feels like the power tower is, like, the main thing that they've done to sort of make a groundbreaking shift in the sport. And mm -hmm. it seems like people are pretty split on that. In terms of obstacles, like, split decision was probably the most unique thing to come out of the show in the past three seasons. That was probably the best thing that came out of the show so far in the past three seasons. Obviously, the split of it isn't always equal. Sometimes you get an obstacle split, like, let's say, Broken Bridge and Block Run. People are going to pick Broken Bridge because Block Run took out Isaac Caldero. People are going to gravitate towards one type of obstacle if it's even just a tad bit unbalanced. I mean, like, the point of split decision is to make people have a split decision about which one they go to. And I'm just saying, like, in terms of the obstacles as a whole, I feel like American Ninja Warrior needs to sort of be a little bit more original and standing out in terms of, like, the format that they present these obstacles in because it feels like with each stage it kind of just feels like the same when it can be different according to how the people in, the, in charge of the show seem fit i agree with that i think um in terms of stage one two and three i would like to see maybe some different aspects of what it is at the moment or at least what it was for season 13 I was a little disappointed um, with this stage two. Like I said, I want maybe wanted an obstacle after the falling shelves, like there would have been in previous seasons. You might and have with a, uh, this is just my personal thought, but I would have wanted a bar obstacle directly after the salmon ladder. So, like, let's say if we had like the salmon ladder into the salmon roll, then what does that do? Does that make it better or worse? I think that's like, actually would, pretty would good. Would trying idea. that out be a good move or not? 
I would actually like to see that. Maybe like salmon ladder and then into salmon roll. Maybe it's like a little bit less hard since you're coming right from the salmon ladder, kind of a linked obstacle almost. I would actually really like to see that. Right, but I again, I feel like the show could be a little bit more original in what they're doing. It feels like they're settling a little bit with just having like the same type of fifth obstacle and the same warped wall all the time. They have had the mega wall as the same height for the past four years. Yeah, I'm They've curious the if they're gonna do the anything same with height that. for the past five years. Like Mm-hmm. They need to make some sort of change at some point because it feels like people just come into each season expecting the same. Seasons 13 and 14 are probably very similar so far in terms of like mm-hmm. the clear spread that you've seen so far in the types of obstacles. Obviously, I like the new obstacles this season probably more than I like the ones from the previous season. I'd probably have to go back and see what the obstacles were because I don't remember too many of them, but. I didn't really like overpass. I was kind of eh on tipping point, eh on V formation. Yeah, those those obstacles were just kind of on the eh side for me. I'm curious what they're gonna do with the mega wall. Of course, we've seen some failures on it, um, but I feel like more people are starting to train that, and more people are starting to get the mega wall. So I'm curious if they're going to change the height or change anything about it soon right i believe that they made um i believe that there were 10 people who cleared on the mega wall so far this season Mm. which is the same amount of money that they give out for the last man standing and that feels like way too much to me like one shift i think they that they can do to make it seem a lot better is and I'm just going to throw this out there. Holy crap, I just forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> it's all good. Somebody maybe remind me, Somebody remind me of what I was just talking about. Oh, uh, we were talking about the Mega Wall and maybe what changes they would have made. Oh yeah, make it like 19 or 20 feet. Like, uh, I was talking to Karen Potts around like a week ago and she said that 18 feet looks higher in person, but like, at the same time, I feel like 19 or maybe even 20 feet because the, ru- the run-up is pretty short. But when you're getting like 10 clears in a season on the Mega Wall, the goal I think would probably be 4 or 5 total, maybe even like 3. Because you want to have the perspective of maybe not having a Mega Wall clear every episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was maybe thinking they could even shorten the run-up a little bit. I know that's kind of a different thing to do with making warp walls harder. Right. Personally, I think that one thing that they could do that would be pretty underrated to make a change is maybe not even change the actual height of the wall, just make it a little bit more curved. Or just reduce the run-up. Mm-hmm. Because, like, I'm going to tell you right now, reducing the run-up makes it harder. Yeah, for sure. You do not need to make it a shorter wall. You just need to make it a shorter run-up, and then you can make it harder. Yeah, I agree. I think that would be a good change to the mega wall in maybe a couple seasons or a season or two. All right, so getting back onto the original discussion, if the show doesn't end up on ESPN, where do you want to see it? And 
what has the season done so far to convince us that it either belongs with NBC or belongs somewhere else? I think they are doing, like I mentioned before, they are very story heavy, which I think is one of the reasons why it still remains on NBC. It's still somewhat of a reality TV show. But I think also, like, the obstacles. I really do like Split Decision. I think that's been a good addition to the show. And I do like many of the new obstacles. So I definitely would like to kind of see how the sport evolves. And I would like to see at least something Ninja Warrior on ESPN in the future, whether that's the show or whether it's like WNL or something. I would just maybe like to see the sport like in the next couple seasons and kind of go or from the new there. Facebook documentary on Bob Clark and his uh, wonderful shenanigans. <laughs> um, God knows he's a wonderful human being to deal with. <laughs> Notice one of the key words I put in there. Okay, so going back to the original discussion I raised at the start of this discussion, what do we think about the season so far in like a grading scale of like a 1 in 10? Because in my opinion, this season so far has been either a B plus or a B for me. It's been average to the most part for what you can expect from Ninja in terms of its editing and its storyline, though there are some high points that the show has achieved. Personally, for me, the high points in terms of the stories that they presented were probably the two digests that they did with uh, Ava Colasanti and Tyler Kurtzholz. Uh Tyler will actually be interviewing him in a couple hours from the time that we're recording this, which is kind of cool. But, um... I felt like the way that they handled that was really sweet. Um, there were a couple from, I think it was the first or second semifinals. I can't remember the exact name of what it was. But I just remember that they were like, there were some good, there were some good quality pieces that they had presented in the show. But it feels like the majority that they the majority of the quality that they put out in terms of the stories feels very shoved in your face almost feels Mm -hmm. like they're trying to say hey watch our show because this guy has this has this story about how something happened to him and like i'm i'm not going to say that people are jerks and that they just don't care but you need to find a way to market to the casuals Instead of just saying that. I agree. I think... um, Like, don't make the sob stories the main part of the show. Yeah, yeah. I think the stories definitely have their place. Like, it's not only about completing the obstacles on the course, but in real life and seeing how Ninja Warrior can be such a positive sport and experience in someone's life amidst their hardship. I definitely think it's getting a little bit to the point of kind of America's Got Talent, where it's just like all of these stories. I think the stories should be kept, but I think it shouldn't be pushed as hard as it is already being pushed. Yeah, I would agree. I, I don't feel like stories should disappear entirely, but I, I think that there's a limit. Mm-hmm. 
But moving off of that topic, what what grade would you give this season so far? I would give it uh, um, around a B, maybe an A minus at times. Um, I went to the taping of one of the semifinals. I think it's the episode that hasn't aired yet. And that was some of the most fun I had in a while. I had a blast watching the competitors and seeing all the new obstacles. I think that was so awesome. And I think that probably gives me a little bit of a bias to kind of how my rating goes. So I think a solid A minus to B so far is what I would give this season. All right. And Donovan, what are your thoughts so far? Um, very d- d- It's a very decent um, season at, so far, at least for me. So I'm going to say when about to be to a C, um, I'm great. Okay. I can see the point that can be raised behind that. I personally think it could be a little bit higher, but. Yeah. People C to B, but um, I can change my mind to, to an A if this season's going and going, going, um, we will. Yeah, I think that this season has. I think it has flashes of good that it's showing in terms of what the show can be. Mm-hmm. Like, and I don't like the way things is going they, down. I really don't like it. Good fluff. They have good pieces that they're showing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree. I mean, I mean, back for what I was saying, I really don't like the way things going down. It's not right. Alright, so we're coming up into the last five minutes of the show. So, my personal idea is if the show moves to ESPN, does the show become shorter? Like, do we change the runtime in any specific way? Like, just throwing this out there. I said earlier in the podcast about how Ninja can take almost, like, the quality of presentation that Formula One does for ESPN. Like, if we do that, then do we shorten the runtime? Do we make the runtime longer? Or do we just show it for as long as there's runs? Like, do we just have it on for, like, a set chunk of, like, three hours? Like, let's say Sunday or Saturday afternoon prime time for ESPN. Because obviously... On NBC, it should be on prime time for their network because it's probably earning the most bang for its buck. And despite the fact that it's not earning as much money or as many viewers for NBC, for, uh, NBC as America's Got Talent does, it's probably, A, the cheaper option because it doesn't cost as much to make, and B, I just think it's better in terms of its presentation. I mean, it's obviously not perfect, but, like, the thing that gets people into it is a bit more obvious to spot with American Ninja Warrior because it's like a sport that people are trying to just America's Got Talent feels a lot more subjective because mm-hmm. it's like there could be a rigged factor with with um, America's Got Talent because like they're voting on it versus like American Ninja Warrior feel like it feels less like reality TV than America's Got Talent does. Obviously, sure. it still has that reality TV aspect because, like, you're inviting people to compete on the show. 
But I feel like if they can reduce that aspect of it feeling like reality TV even more, I personally think that that would be the greatest outcome for the show. Mm -hmm. Uh, What do you think, Sophia? I agree. I think making it less reality TV would be a good idea. I think one of the main things I would like to see is less less, uh, fast forwards. Um, I noticed a lot of ninja favorites or people who I think should have gotten um, aired time uh, were like fast forwarded or completely cut. And I think something, especially if it went on to ESPN, they should showcase more actual runs. Them fast forwarding Max Feinberg was an absolute crime. Mm -hmm. Like he was literally one of the top ninjas last season. And then... You fast forward him immediately after he makes it to the third to last obstacle stage two. Like, he's one I know, of the right? top and brightest young prospects. Why would you not want to include him? I agree. Like, I I like what they did by linking him and Caden together specifically by like having them be a joint thing because they both have that tie with bucket of chalk and ninja intensity. I feel like they could have used that a little bit more if they had shown Max first and then Caden second instead of just fast instead they just fast forwarded Max, which I don't really think is fair given how Max did last season. Like if you're going to fast forward somebody, fast forward the person who doesn't make it that far. And you know what? Sure. One suggestion that I would give maybe give like short bios for the star competitors and like keep the long bios for the quote-unquote sob stories that like the fans always talk about mm-hmm. but don't digest them don't digest the star competitors in favor of those who haven't been on the show before and are kind of just there for their story more so than for like what they actually bring in terms of how far that they can get on the course. I feel like there's a good balance between the two, but I'm saying to NBC, please do not favor that because you will end up pushing people away from the show who will think that the show is just a cash grab. Mm-hmm. They will think I it's agree. just a cash grab and it's ma- and that it would be made to play on people's emotion. And I'm not saying that those stories are a bad thing. I'm just saying... What what I'm saying is there's, like, a line that, like, you can get with saying with saying and talking about these stories. Mm-hmm. There's, like, a line where it gets to be too much for people. I agree. I think that's why some people have started gravitating away from America's Got Talent. It just got, like, too sob story, like, heavy. And I know, like, I myself stopped watching it just solely for that. Um, so I I really don't think that's where American Ninja Warrior is going as. It is quite different from America's Got Talent, but I would definitely maybe like to see some changes, especially with the fast-forwarding and stuff. All right, I probably agree with that. Well, that's all the time that we have for today. Um, thanks to both of you guys for coming out. Thank you. Yes, and um, um, thank you, Thomas. Well, I'm Thomas Hughes, and this is Donovan Lusher and Sophia Blanbar, and we'll be back soon for another edition of the Ninja Podcast.
Thanks, See guys. you guys. Bye. Yes, and bye. Uh, I feel like we should get into another tangent, which is my thoughts on the fourth semifinal of American Warrior, which at the time that this is going to be released on Spotify and wherever else I choose to post this, uh, it was the most recent episode to be released on Monday, the 8th of August, 2022. So my thoughts on the episode were that it was pretty good. In terms of AW standards, I mean, I don't really have many positive, overwhelmingly positive things to say about it. But I don't have overwhelmingly negative things to say about it either. It felt pretty much like a carbon copy of last week, with basically the same obstacles except Air Surfer. And Hopscotch, I mean, not Air Surfer and Hopscotch, uh, Air Surfer and Kaleidoscope basically just replaced Clockwork and Hops, Clockwork and Hopscotch got replaced by Air Surfer and Kaleidoscope. I think I got that right. I will have to check that later. Um, so in terms of the 15 competitors that made it this week into the Las Vegas Finals, which will begin next week, and I'll have a review coming out of that. We'll start with the top three women competitors, then go from 15th to 1st, and then go over the Power Tower, and then some of the competitors who were unable to make it into the Finals. So before that, uh, there were a couple of competitors who were unable to make it, into the semifinals and who just withdrew. Uh, two competitors who withdrew due to testing positive for coronavirus were Paris Suarez and Vinny Castronova. Uh, Vinny actually placed second in the first episode of the qualifiers, so was very unfortunate not to see him compete in the semifinals and potentially have a shot to make it to Vegas. Uh, he's a very, very good ninja. Um... It just sucks that COVID still has knocked out some competitors onto. It, it sucks that competitors have been knocked off of the show because of COVID still being a factor. And hopefully that can get better. But the good news is, is that it doesn't seem to be as much of a problem. By this, what I mean is it doesn't necessarily seem to be as much of a problem. And the reason why I'm saying that is because we've only seen two or three ninjas be removed from their episodes due to having the coronavirus. Versus with a couple seasons ago, uh, some flashpoints that you would be able to notice would be the Bergstrom's um, I think Dougie Fresh also failed to make it in to his episode because of COVID as well. Uh, Daniel Gill, season 13, I believe. But it doesn't seem to be as prevalent this season, which is definitely better. But I do think that it's still noticeable. 
that it still is a problem, but it's helpful that it's not as big of a problem. So in terms of how I would rate this episode individually, before we get to what the results were, I would say I thought that this episode was decent for AIW standards and probably got somewhere in like a 6 out of 10, maybe a 7. So in terms of the number score, like I said, 6 or 7, in terms of if I had to grade it from an A to an F, it would probably be around a B, maybe a B minus. I mean, there wasn't necessarily anything special about the episode. And one thing that was positive is that they didn't seem to digest a ton of ninjas. They were like star competitors. The only one, the only two that I had big problems with was when they digested Vance Walker. Because obviously he was the, I believe the third farthest ninja last year depending on who between him and Austin Gray got there first. But I feel like he's one of the competitors that shouldn't be digested. Like anybody who's within the top 10 from the previous season should probably be avoided from being digested. Or if they are, just restricted to digesting their qualifier only. So I wouldn't have digested Vance. I feel like somebody like Jacob Arnstein or Kevin Carbone or even Jody Vila, I feel like that's the right skill level to aim for when you're digesting a competitor. So basically what I mean by this is... <clears throat> basically, they're at the right skill level because you know that they're good ninja competitors, but maybe they're not at like the next tier of like elite. They're not at the level of like an Austin Gray. Nate Hansen or an Isaiah Thomas. No offense to them, of course. But the point that I'm trying to make is if you want a competitor to digest to remove the runtime a little bit and show that you have less competitors to show in full, then that seems like the right skill level to sort of cross the line and say, okay, your run is just going to be fast forwarded. So I feel like they did a pretty good job with that. I think that they shouldn't have digested Vance Walker. I don't think that they should have digested... Um, they also shouldn't have digested Annabella Heinrichs. Because it seems like they were hyping her up a lot. Uh, earlier in the episode, who's included in this podcast. Uh, so she placed third in the woman. And in the, in the qualifier. And... I felt like they were sort of hyping her up and that, and that they could have included this into the semifinals. And it feels almost like a little bit of a missed opportunity here. But it's not really that big of a deal. Um, Isaiah Wakeham probably could have gotten shown in full, but that's not a deal breaker. And then Christian Eust is probably the biggest... Christian Yeast is probably the biggest noticeable one other than Vance Walker because he made it to stage one last season and also created the stalactites obstacle. So it's it's not exactly a deal breaker that he wasn't included in the episode, but I would have appreciated it if his obstacle 
had been included again. If he had gotten the credit for it again, Christian used the creator of stalactites, was on the course, yada yada yada, but he was shockingly knocked out in the air surfer. But I, I don't see why it was cut for the broadcast. I'm sure that there's a reason for it, but just right now it's not much info to go off of since AW Nation unfortunately isn't active anymore, so we don't necessarily have a way to get a reason for it. It's just, it's a little hard to see why they did that. But at the same time, it's not exactly out of the ordinary to expect that from American Warrior in terms of like them just digesting competitors. So it feels like not much has changed in terms of like their modus operandi in terms of digesting competitors. What seems like almost on a whim, but here it just seems kind of average in terms of what they're doing. But I don't have a problem with a ton of it. So it's not super noticeable. That's the point that I'm trying to make. But now it's time to get into rankings for each of the competitors. So for the top three women competitors, uh, third place was Barclay Stockett, who made it to the fifth obstacle of the kaleidoscope in one minute and 34 seconds. Uh, second place went to Isabella Wakeham, who made it to the fifth obstacle kaleidoscope in one minute and 29 seconds. And then first place for the woman competitors went to Katie Bone, who cleared in her qualifier, and she got to the eighth obstacle ghost town in four minutes and 30 seconds. And one, also, and one interesting thing to note is that she also made the top 15. Now, for the top 15, 15th place was Jody Avila, who was digested and made it to the fifth obstacle kaleidoscope in just over one minute. Uh, 14th place went to Zach Eichenstein, who was also digested and failed the salmon ladder and got there at a time of one minute and 53 seconds. 13th place was Katie Bone, who, as I stated before, was first place for the woman. She made it to the 8th obstacle ghost town in a time of 4 minutes and 30 seconds. 11th, 12th place was Jacob Arnstein, who was also digested and made it to the ninth obstacle flipped around in 3 minutes and 57 seconds. 11th place went to Tyler Yamauchi, who was digested and made it to the ninth obstacle, failing flipped around at 3 minutes and 48 seconds. The 10th up 10th place went to Donovan McToyer, who made it to the ninth obstacle and failed at 3 minutes and 38 seconds. Uh, he made it to the diving boards. Uh, one thing to note is that the option for split decision this week was between flipped around, which was the upper body choice, and diving boards, which was the balance choice. Uh, 10th place, as I said before, was Donovan McToyer, who made it to diving boards in 3 minutes and 38 seconds. Ninth place was Ethan Bartnicki, who made it to flipped around in 3 minutes and 19 seconds. Eighth place went to Kevin Carbone, who was digested and made it to the diving boards in 2 minutes and 40 seconds, the ninth obstacle. Seventh place went to Vance Walker, who was digested and made it to the ninth obstacle flipped around in 2 minutes and 37 seconds. Sixth place went to the living wide warrior, Christopher Harding Jones, who cleared the course in 5 minutes and 37 seconds. Fifth place was Lauren Ball, who was digested and cleared the course in 5 minutes and 31 seconds. 
fourth place was Owen Dyer, who was digested and cleared in five minutes and 26 seconds. Third place was Isaiah Thomas, who cleared the course in five minutes and 13 seconds. Second place was Nate Hansen, who cleared the course in five minutes and 10 seconds. And the fastest time at the semifinal four was Austin Gray, who cleared the course in four minutes and 15 seconds. In terms of the power tower, it was Austin Gray against Nate Hansen. And the winner of the safety pass was Nate Hansen. So the, so the four safety pass holders going into Las Vegas are Jay Lewis, Josiah Singleton, Levi Enright, and Nate Hansen. So with this, the semifinals are now over, and we are now going into Vegas. Uh, like I said before, some notable runs that didn't make it into Vegas were Isaiah Wakeham, who failed on Kaleidoscope, James McGrath, who also failed on Kaleidoscope. Christian Eust, who failed on the Air Surfer. Ryan Meeks, who was unable to make it and failed on the Air Surfer, which was not the first time that he failed the Air Surfer obstacle. In Stage 2 last season, he failed on Epic Air Surfer on Stage 2. But that is all the notable results from those who didn't make it as well as the results from those who did. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the Ninja Podcast, and I'll see you next week for potentially more interviews and our review of the first episode of Las Vegas.